Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, Your college basketball podcast. I'm Russell Hainline, joined as always from the Five Starter Crew. We've got K Bad. How's it going, KB? Uh, I've been better, man. Uh, still some uh, a little hangover from the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. But. Yeah. Now, as a as a Washington football fan, yeah. Who who were you rooting for? Were you rooting for anyone? I was rooting for the Pats. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The it's lesser of the two evils. Yeah, and, um, you know, being a fan of a team um, in the NFC East, one thing that, you know, although I hate the guts of uh, Giants fans, Cowboys fans, and Eagles fans, uh, one thing that, you know, Cowboys fans and Giants fans and uh, Redskins fans have always had in common is uh, being able to uh, joke about the Eagles never winning a Super Bowl. It's true. Um, and now that is uh it's over. So now we are the team that is um furthest um away from our last championship. It's been twenty six seasons since we well, years since we played um in a Super Bowl. So, um you know, it all kinda of just came crashing down on Sunday night and now the seventy sixes are playing the Wizards and they're kicking our ass and Eagles players are there and they're cheering them and they're Chan Eagles and all this shit. So it's Meek just, Mill and shit. Yeah, and Villanova's <laughs> fucking number one in the country. So, you know, it's just. KB, we, we got to get you a new football team, KB. Yeah. There's so many reasons to not root for the Washington football team. It is. It is. <laughs> um, we, could always, but, we could always use more on the, uh, on the Jaguars bandwagon, yeah, KB. Yeah, you're right. And I actually do like that team a lot. A lot of guys on that team I like. We'll see how it goes, man. This old Kirk Cousins thing is uh, ready to throw me for a loop. Uh, I, I was ready to throw in a towel um, when I heard about it. Um, I kind of come in off the ledge a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll see how, how the draft goes. Uh, well, at least, I'll give at least your, uh, your, your college team, Georgetown, looked uh, admirable against Xavier this they past did. weekend. They did. They did. They did. Absolutely. We had talked about this this season just that they would show a couple of signs of life here and there. That that They're was, improving. That was the main hey, look, thing that I, I Georgetown said, fans are looking for. Right. Yeah, I, I said at the beginning of the season, like, you know, I knew what we signed up for when we brought them in. Um, there wasn't a lot of talent on the team. One thing I, I really asked for is, you know, just show some effort um, to show that the defense is progressing and the offense shows some signs of life, you know, and they're getting better as a team. Like, the freshmen are getting better. Um, and they fight to the end. So that's all I really asked for, and that's what they're doing. So I'm I'm happy. Signs of life. Well, uh, my my basketball weekend was not as great. Uh, we can dive right into the all week first team. I'm mm-hmm. sure this this individual is probably on your list. Would be my guess. Um, but Shamori Pons of St. John's. Uh, I don't even know what he did. He did a lot. He's on my <laughs> list. I, I I can tell you what he did. Yeah, I, I want to say but. 33 points, something like six or seven rebounds, six or seven assists, maybe something like this. 
That sounds yeah. that yeah. sounds ballparkish. He had thirty-seven yeah. point seven rebounds, three assists against Duke. Holy yeah. crow! All right, uh, you know he was my Ucha winner last week, by the way, as well. So sure, yeah, sure. You know, um, I'll say this: I, 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 I'm not as panicked as other people. Um, you know, obviously we we talked some off the podcast a little bit this weekend about this, and there were just certain inherent weaknesses in a Coach K coached Duke basketball team over the past half decade, maybe a little longer, that that Duke fans just have to live with at this point. Coming into the season, if you had asked me to peg three players who were going to drop 30-plus points against Duke, I absolutely would have picked Shamori Pons as one of them. There's there's no question. He's a, the exact kind of player that does this to Duke routinely. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting for, like, Sheldon Mitchell from uh, Clemson. You know, he's a guy that I've got my eye on for a good 30-point game. Uh, Kai Bowman didn't surprise me much for Boston College. You know, these are just – these are the types of guys who beat Duke. Uh, a guard that gets hot, who's asked to do a lot for his team – and so the defensive strategy seems to be um, let one guy run around and hope that that try to make him beat you. I guess is what they're thinking, or maybe they're just not thinking. I, I I'm not sure what the strategy is, but it's routine over the past six or seven years that guards who are skilled and can shoot and are asked to do a lot for their team are going to go off against Duke, uh, especially teams that Duke might take for granted. Uh, and especially uh, guys in games right before the UNC game or right before, like, a big game, like Miami or Virginia, something like this. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much to say. The defense was bad. The effort was pretty bad. I, I really can't believe that Duke had a chance to win the game still, uh, considering how many turnovers there were, considering uh, how much of a no-show Grayson Allen was, considering that Marvin Bagley sort of had his worst game. Inexplicably, really. Uh, St. John's doesn't really have somebody that should have messed with Marvin Bagley like that. It's just game planning. They just game plan for him really well uh, and dared Duke to shoot, and Duke took the bait. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I know you watched the game. What did, what did you think as a as an impartial observer? Yeah, um, watching the game, it was one of those things where I just couldn't understand what exactly Duke was doing defensively because if you want to give St. John's a chance, just play him man-to-man and let you just give the ball to Shamori Pons and let him go to work. But, um, you know, and it's a mod hit a couple of uh, um, um, uh, – You mean uh, a couple in, of in, in the, the Bashir mod? But share my I'm sorry, it's a Moss from West Virginia. So I, yeah. I had that game on my mouth from last time, my bad. But uh, he had a couple of uh, a couple threes that, you know, you give them them shots all game. And, you know, in a game like this, like you don't need guys like that to hit shots they don't normally make. He had a couple, but, you know, you still let them shoot the ball from the outside. But once you start allowing them to drive and drive and kick and do things like that, like that's pretty much what they want to do. You know, they're an athletic team. They want to get up and down the floor and – they want to ISO people, and Duke allowed them to do that. And right. if you if you allow them to do that, yeah, you're giving them a chance. Like you, 
you know, allow them to get into the stuff they want to do offensively, and Duke did it all game. And it doesn't help that Gary Trent didn't have a very good game defensively. Like, I haven't, you know, watched him extensively this season, so I don't know whether or not he's just not a good defender or not, but he didn't have a good game. Like I said, Marvin Bagley didn't have a really good game defensively. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just a perfect storm of things that, you know, if you were going to, you know, write out how this game was going to play out in order for St. John's to get a victory, it played out exactly that way. Yeah, I, I think Trent sometimes get, gets caught watching a little bit, um, and I think that oftentimes he'll 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 go for steals first. Like I, I think he's a guy who likes to watch passing lanes more than he likes to get in front of people, um, and certainly that's been at least somewhat part of a plan for Duke over the last few years is just try to get some turnovers. This Duke team has been really bad at forcing turnovers, generally speaking. Um, yeah, there, there's no excuse for the lack of zone. And, and Duke, as you know, went to zone with, I'd say, maybe 10 minutes left in the game, played zone for maybe three or four possessions. St. John's hit a couple of baskets. Okay, right? Like, that happens. Um, it Yes, after four or five possessions, the zone looked like it wasn't going to be effective. But, but I still don't think you quit on the zone just because they make a few baskets, right? Like, a, a, as you said... NC State was another game that was an absolute no-brainer to play zone for 40 minutes. Like, I I don't know why we keep refusing to play zone against bad teams. I guess because K is thinking we need to play man-to-man. These are bad teams. Let's let them work out their issues man-to-man-wise against bad teams. But St. John's isn't as bad as their record looks. Like, Boston College isn't as bad as their as their record looked. Um, you know, St. John's is, is a top 90 Ken Palm team. Yes, they were 0-11 and 11 in conference, but they took Villanova and Xavier both to single digits in the garden. You know, they're, they're clearly, they were waiting for a win. They had, you know, Shimori Pons likes those big games. I think he scored 30 against both Villanova and Xavier. He scored 30-plus against both of them. And they actually have good defense, well, better defenses than Duke. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have much of an explanation for why Coach K doesn't zone other than maybe he's just like an old school guy who thinks that that's an admission of weakness or something. I mean, like, I don't want to like read into the psychology behind it, but like he has been adamant about not doing zone. And in 2015, the only reason Duke won the national title is because somewhere around February, uh, like maybe Valentine's Day-ish, they said enough's enough. They started zoning teams. Duke magically started defending better, winning games. And if you look at the uh, analytics of Duke's zone defense versus Duke's defense not in zone, Duke's zone defense in the ACC is like better than it, than any team not named Virginia. But Duke in man-to-man against the ACC is, is obviously pretty dreadful, you know? Um... Yeah, I don't know. There's just question marks there. It's a coaching thing, and it's a and it's a senior leadership thing. Grayson Allen has got to play better. Um, but I can talk more about that later in the show. Uh, who do uh, so you had you had Shamori Pons as well. Yep. Let's 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 get your next guy, KB. Next guy will be Keenan Evans from Texas Tech. Uh, Thirty-eight points, including the game winner and a seventy-three seventy-one overtime win over Texas. And he followed that up with 17 points and six, excuse me, and an 83-71 win over TCU. 
Here's the question, KB. Texas Tech and Kansas tied for the Big 12 lead. Can Texas Tech, because they have one game against Kansas left, uh, and it's at Texas Tech, presumably Texas Tech will be favored. Does Texas Tech win the Big 12? Uh, I think they got a chance. Yeah. If he if he keeps playing uh, the way he's been playing, there's no doubt about it they got a chance. I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but um, they have a much better chance, I would say, today than I thought they would have had two weeks ago. I'll say that. Yeah, I like I like their chances pretty well. I, I think Kansas and Texas Tech both have four uh, road games left. Um, Texas Tech's game against Iowa State is at home. Kansas has to go to Iowa State, so that's a bit more of a wrinkle. I think Texas Tech probably has the easier schedule down the stretch by like a little bit. Um, but it'll all come down, obviously, to that. To, to holding your own games, and then obviously Texas Tech has to beat Kansas uh, at Texas Tech. I, I think they can. Their defense is phenomenal. Top three defensive team in the country. Uh, let's see. I've got, uh, speaking of defense, I've got Sag Kanate from West Virginia. 14 points, 11 rebounds, a steal, and two blocks in the big win at Oklahoma, completing the season sweep. Uh, KB, did I hear you allude to the fact that you also got a chance to see this game? Yeah, yeah. Him and, What'd you uh, think? Yeah, him and Ahmad had, like, monster games. They're just – they're grown-ass men up front for West Virginia. Um, going into the game, you just assumed it was going to be a shootout between um, Trey Young and Javon Carter. It didn't really turn out that way. Um, and, you know, back-and-forth game, very – you know, just a very thrilling game to watch, but ultimately just – it's one of those things where you knew they were going to put the ball in Trey Young's hands um, at the end of the game. You need a bucket. And just, like, like going into the tournament, I just don't know about them for the simple fact. It's, it's almost like there's, it's way too much. I think he feels like he has on his shoulders. Trey Young, you mean? Like, this, yeah. Like, he just has to do way too much. And just... You know, the way he kind of fumbled that ball out of bounds, to me, kind of just, in, in, in some ways, it, it kind of resembles how I believe their season is going to end. This is going to just slowly dribble out of bounds. Just the simple fact that mm. there's just way so much attention on him as a player now that he's going to get his points. He's too talented not to. And the more I watch him, the more I actually become enthralled with his overall offensive game, his ability to score, his ability to create separation off the dribble. Um, his ability to get to the cup, like, offensively, there isn't really anything he can't do. But on this team, it's it's asking too much of him night in and night out to beat really good teams. And I, I don't really know if he's going to figure out whether, like, what is exactly is the correct mix on a night-to-night basis of, okay, is this game, I'm just going to go out and going to just let it fly every time I see the slightest bit of opening. Is this the type of game where... I'm going to get into the flow and try to feed my teammates. Because last night, he didn't have an assist until, I think, the last minute of the game. Yeah, seconds left. Yeah, it was like seconds left. That was his first assist. You know, so, I don't know. Great game to watch, but watching it, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I, I like him better as a player the more I watch him, but the less I kind of feel good about their postseason aspirations. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that West Virginia did a great job just stopping some of the other people. I think, you know, 
their offense has been really good because, you know, Odom's driving left. Brady Manick usually knocks down his open threes. Um, you know, they, they really made it all on him. I honestly feel a little similar to the way you feel uh, about West Virginia also. Uh, so much of it is on Carter. And, you know, Carter did a great job, I thought, in the game, even though he wasn't really scoring, especially in the first half, creating those shots for Lamont West, and West, to his credit, was knocking them down. Uh, you know, I, I'm concerned offensively about them. There's a lot of those shots, especially in the second half, they, they clanged off the rim hard. You know, like, I know Bolden can shoot, but even then he was getting a little uh, – he was getting a little trigger happy with his shot. Um, yeah, I, I worry about them. If they're not winning the turnover margin by a healthy amount, um, then they don't have much of it. They can get knocked out real early because that offense doesn't move me, generally speaking. But I thought they did a brilliant job defensively, and obviously Carter defensively against Trey Young. Oh! <laughs> I'm watching this uh, Kentucky-Tennessee game, for those of you listening, and uh, Lamont Turner just hit a three with 25 seconds left to give Tennessee the lead. Um, yeah, brilliant defense, offense that did just enough, which, again, against a team like Oklahoma is really impressive, but at the same time, man, like, uh, oh, that might be game right there. Um, I would have dribbled that ball out. Are you watching the Tennessee game? Has he got that on? I am watching Georgetown Providence. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tennessee just got a run out, and uh, Schofield dunked it. Uh, mm. Now there's four seconds left. Tennessee's up three, but there was nobody near him. He, could, he probably could have just pulled around and killed another two seconds. I don't know. But then again, it's the easy dunk. I'm not sure what to do in that scenario. But, yeah, four seconds left. Yeah, um, I don't have anything else to add. That was it. I, I've never seen Brady Manick be such a non-factor in a game. Usually he's good for, like, three annoyingly open three-pointers, and he usually knocks them down with regularity. He, he was an absolute zero in that game. So, yeah, not good. Not good for uh, for the old Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, let's see who else I have. Uh, I'll talk some Big East. How about Amari Spellman? Uh, 26 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks. Six for seven from three in the big win over Seton Hall. Now, the, I, I was excited for this game, and it was real close. A great game for the first 30 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, Spellman just went off. He made like four three-pointers in like a six-minute span. Mm -hmm. uh, grabbed every rebound. Seton Hall's offense gets a little predictable. You know, it, it tends to be give it to Desi Rodriguez. He's going to drive in. Uh, he might kick it to Powell. If Delgado's open for, like, a slam dunk and absolutely nothing else, then he'll do that. Otherwise, Rodriguez will just sort of force it up. And that works against most teams. I, I'm just not concerned. I'm not convinced that's going to work long term because that's that's only three options. I mean, Carrington doesn't really give a lot consistently. Uh, Sonogo and Delgado are both just basically relegated to putbacks. Um and yeah, that's just a, that's just a lot on Desi's shoulders, and he's he's capable of carrying him against a bunch of teams. But I, I, I sort of wondered down the stretch here if he got a little bit tired. In addition, with the bad luck of watching a big man make three pointer after three pointer again, um, 
What do you think of Seton Hall's postseason chances? Um, they're a damn good basketball team. Um, you know they're they're tough interior. Um, um, on the defensive end, uh, you know they have good guard play. They're very hard on those team. They play hard. They're gonna be a tough out for somebody. Like, I don't think they have the talent level to take it, you know, to like the final four or anything like that. But they can make it to a Sweet Sixteen and make it tough on somebody. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, there's 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 a definite cap on that ceiling there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Villanova, obviously, in this game against a good defensive team in Seton Hall, could not miss from three. I'm I'm still waiting for the wheels to fall off of the three point. It's gonna take just one game. I still think they they shoot so many threes. I don't know, but maybe that's just maybe that's just the way the game goes nowadays. Uh, who's your next guy, KB? I'm also at Jalen Brunson from Villanova. Um, I just want to give him a little bit of love, just. I think he's having a tremendous season. He had 19 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Um, and then 1971 of a Creighton, and he followed it up with 21 points and six assists in their um, aforementioned win over Seton Hall. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he, honestly, if it wasn't for Trey Young, he'd be a pretty obvious player of the year candidate. Um I think yeah. he's a lock for yeah, no first-team All-American. I think that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, just uh, just annoyingly in control and efficient mm-hmm. and uh, yep. Yep. tries hard on both ends. and Takes you know, good shots, doesn't takes turn the good ball shots, over a lot. Nothing, nothing dumb, right? Yeah, I, yep. I think he's the type of player that just, like, people take for granted because he's not he's not doing a lot that's sexy. You know, he's not – Shooting it from thirty-five feet, he's not making the highlight dunks. He's not. He's five eleven. Yeah, yeah right. he, he's not making like the cross-court no-look pass that gets on ESPN yep. or whatever. He's just, just efficiently running the best basketball team in the country. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Yep. Um. So yeah, I, I, I'm not even convinced, frankly, if Trey Young wasn't doing this, that it wouldn't go to somebody again a little sexier. Like again, maybe someone like Marvin Bagley. Just because Marvin Bagley is constantly on TV, um, but yeah, he, he's incredible. He's really good. Is he? A, is he a junior? Or is he a senior he's a, this year? He's a junior, I believe. Oh, he's probably coming back, isn't he? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Tennessee just won, by the way. Yeah. One at Rupp. Good for them. Yep. Wow. Okay. C A Huggins. <laughs> Oh man, there's there's a good shot. Uh, I'm gonna have to tweet it back out. There's a good shot in the middle of the game. They cut to like some some big fat guy in the Kentucky Stadium uh, booing really loudly for mm-hmm. some for some obviously uh, an obvious Kentucky foul. But of course, every time there's any foul called in Kentucky at Rupp, it's just massive boos, and they cut to this gigantic dude. You go boo. <laughs> I probably had to like. <laughs> Probably had to put down his Bud Light, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, let's see, who do I have? Sticking with, no, I don't. I don't have another Big East. Let's go, Noah Dickerson from Washington. Let's do a little Pac-12 here. Twenty-one and sixteen in a win over Arizona State, and then twenty-five and seven in their upset over Arizona. 
first of all, props to Washington. Uh, you know, the post Lorenzo Romar era is going well for them. I would say. Uh, you know, I think the, they they weren't in the same position as uh, as Georgetown, but they were certainly in a position where people did not expect anything of them this year. You know, they expected again, maybe maybe show some signs of life, that sort of thing. And and they've definitely done that so far this year. The uh, the defense has been surprisingly good, considering like that's by far and away what they were worst at the last couple of years. The Romar era, they're a top, uh, they're in the top, you know, sixty five, seventy teams in the country in defense. Which, considering they didn't really add too many people, uh, is really impressive. Uh, Dickerson, in particular, has looked outstanding. Uh, they've got great wins over Arizona State. Arizona won against USC on the road. They've obviously got that big win against Kansas in a semi-away game. I mean, that's that's a really, really good resume for a team that, you know, honestly might even end up sneaking into the tournament. Ken Palm has them projected finishing at 22-9, and 12-6 in conference. Uh, I mean... That would be good for, like, a tie for second in the Pac-12. They could make the tournament this year. It would be amazing if after getting all those Romar recruits, all those guys that were fantastic, that are all pros now, et cetera, they have a team that, you know, doesn't really have any of those one-and-done guys that that are like that, and immediately they are so much better. It just shows the value of a really good coach, in my opinion. I mean, that's not a a hot take or anything. It just is pretty obvious. The other thing I wanted to point out as a result of these, Arizona. KB, you want to guess what Arizona's best win of the season is? <sighs> best win of Arizona's season. You got me on that one. Uh, probably a toss-up. Uh, I would have accepted either at Utah or at Stanford. Hmm. Huh. Those would be their best wins of the season so far. And, you know, they're ranked. They're they're a top, what, 15 team right now? I think they're 13th, if I'm almost thinking. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've got a home win against Alabama. They've got the, the road wins against Utah and Stanford, a home win against Arizona State. Um away game against UNLV. I mean, like, there's really not much there in terms of building a really uh, sexy resume. Um, and they've obviously got the neutral court loss to UNC. Uh, they've got a loss to Colorado. They've got a loss to Washington. Uh, and, and just not too many big games left on the schedule. Outside of a game at Arizona State, there really aren't any big resume boosters left other than if they can win out and then win the Pac-12 tournament. So even if they finish like 25-6, and 24-7, and seven, this still feels like at most a, a, an untested four seed, maybe a, maybe a five seed. It's going to be a sexy pick for some people to either have them going all the way because of the talent or losing in the first round. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I, I like them more as a lose in the first round at this point. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they've got the big man. They've got Alonzo Trier. But outside of that, they have not gotten consistent production really from anybody in in big games that matter. So, 
Take that for what you will. That's our that's our Pac-12 wrap up for the for the day. We we never talk about the Pac-12. I feel like, nah. Um, yeah, I mean they're on the Pac-12 network. I can't watch them. <laughs> I can't watch them either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who who's your next guy, KB? Uh, next guy would be Trayvon Blue at Xavier. Um, fourteen points, four rebounds, three assists, and a seventy-three sixty-eight win over St. John's. He followed that up with thirty-one points, four rebounds, and three assists in their ninety-six ninety-one overtime win over Georgetown. Um, he had also had a four-point play to tie the game up in regulation um, against Georgetown. I mean, he had a three. Um, ref called the and one. He kicked his leg out. I don't think it should have been a foul. I was kind of upset about the call, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And he also beat Butler tonight. I didn't look at the box score. I'm sure he had a good game. So Yeah, it went to overtime. This was one of my Onions picks from last week. I, I had Butler. It went to overtime, and it was a one-possession game, and then Blewett came down with, like, 30 seconds left, popped a three in their face, and that was it. You know, yeah, they, they never caught does. up from there. Yeah. That is what he does. He, he likes very, very soft jumper. Yeah. We've and we've learned. I mean, if if last year showed us anything, I mean, he he loves those. Th- there are a few players in the country when the game is on the line that are better with the ball in his hands than yeah. Trayvon yeah. Blewett. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to think of of one. You know what I mean? If you had to pick yeah. one yeah. guy, it, it's probably him. Yeah, because he he can kill you off the off the dribble, pop a J in your face like he's right coming off curls like he he's got the whole package, man. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, good. Um, my next guy going back to the Big Twelve. I'll say Kendall Smith of Oklahoma State, twenty four points, five rebounds, five assists, including the last six points of the game for the Cowboys. In their big win over Kansas at the Fog, I'm compelled to point out that Duke was a plus 11. Uh, uh, Duke was a minus 11 favorite against St. John's. Kansas was a minus 13 favorite over Oklahoma State. So technically, this was the bigger upset. Um, plus 13 on the boards for Oklahoma State crushed Kansas on the boards. 44% shooting as a team from three. Uh, Kansas has questions man kansas has some serious questions i heard that bill self is going to switch legerald vick out of the lineup uh out of the starting lineup and put mitch lightfoot in there which i mean mitch lightfoot does absolutely nothing for me so i mean maybe this is just sort of motivation because certainly vick was an absolute no-show in this oklahoma state game kansas is worse in defensive efficiency in conference play than either duke or unc both teams that I've absolutely railed about their defense uh, over the past few weeks. So, yeah, they definitely need answers. Uh, I I don't really know what they can do to become a verifiable contender other than make all of their threes on their first shots. You know, because they don't even really have offensive rebounding like that. So, yeah. They're a very brilliant jump-shooting team, and that's really it at the moment. That's not a recipe for success in March. Nope. And Oklahoma State, uh, you know, is pretty good. Once again, another one of these teams that I don't think anybody really expected anything of this year. Um, And they're doing okay. They're going to finish below 500 in conference. But, you know, win over Kansas at the Fog, win over Oklahoma – 
Um, you know, that's obviously a big deal to them. I mean, that's really it right now in terms of big wins. But I guess Florida State, that's another one too. But, yeah, overall, Mike Boynton and uh, Oklahoma State, they're they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else on your list, KB? Uh, my last guy was Anthony Lawrence, uh, Miami, 10 points, 10 rebounds, and they're 69-57 went over Pitt. And he followed up with 25 points, 13 rebounds, and three blocks in the 84-75 win of Virginia Tech. Mm. Man, I'm glad Duke doesn't have to play them anymore. Um, That's all I have. I don't have anything more exciting Pitt to say is, about Pitt that. is really, really bad. Pitt and I don't feel like any sympathy whatsoever. Enjoy it. Just, just, ugh. Yeah. You this is what you wanted? Yeah, you got it. So it's it's bad, real bad Michael Jackson at this point. It is not yeah. it's yeah. I, I keep I keep tweeting jokes just about how they're not a basketball team. They're just so bad that you can't even call it basketball what they're doing. So Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas all lost, so I tweeted, I was like, Man, it's a shame UNC didn't play a basketball team, otherwise all the blue bloods could have lost this week. Of course, mm-hmm. UNC was beating Pitt by 35 at the time or whatever. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they've they got nothing. And, and the team is cl- – they don't even try. That's the bad thing. I mean, it's not like there are dudes out there that are hustling and giving it their all. Mm-hmm. Um, they've yeah. quit on their coach. I think it's really yeah. apparent. Uh, it was apparent last year, honestly. And, and I can't believe that he's still the coach with the team this bad. A team like Pitt – that has some history of success. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. not like, uh, okay, if it's Rutgers or what, okay, fine. You know, they've been garbage for forever. Boston College, okay, again, live with it for a bit. It's been a while since Craig Smith rolled in. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's been a minute. But Pitt was good even just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Under, under Jamie Dixon, yeah. they were like a top 50 offensive team literally every year. Yep. Jim Dixon having a tough year this year too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sadly, even though it, TCU is is good, they're top twenty five Ken Palm, but the defense is is bad, and I guess it's just a Jamie Dixon team. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Uh, I've got a even though it's a sixth guy, and I'm going to mention this game more in a little bit. I want to go ahead and point out that Matt Coleman will be on my list. As well, he would be on my all-week list. 22 points, 8 of 13 shooting. Great defense against Trey Young and their big win at home over Oklahoma. Uh, and I'll talk more about that in the awards section. Uh, your Elite Eight, KB, your top eight teams in the country. Uh, Give me one second. My computer just went down on me. Yeah, sure, no worries. One second. I don't know how that why that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mo browser crashed. Hold on. All right. Okay. Um, I'm go, as always. I go from eight to uh, number one. At eight, I have Duke. Um, at seven, I have Auburn. At six, I have Xavier. At five, Cincinnati. Four, Michigan State. Three, Purdue. Two, Virginia. And one, Villanova. Yeah, I'm going to do the controversial thing and not have Michigan State on my list. I, I, I was – outside of the top three, I wasn't really sure what order to do. And 
I saw a bunch of teams that have like five or six wins that I would call really good, and Michigan State has like three. So even though they haven't lost a lot in the Big Ten right now and they should in the AP poll be top eight, they're not going to be in my top eight right now. Number eight, I've got Duke. I'm still above Michigan State. Uh, number seven, I've got Cincinnati. Six, Xavier. Five, I've got Texas Tech. I, I, again, I just really like what I've seen from them. Uh, number four, I've got Auburn. Um, I think they're really looking good for a one seed. Uh, number three, I've got Virginia. Number two, Purdue. And number one, uh, the obvious choice is Villanova. Uh, K-Bad, your Ooh Child Award winner this week. You got somebody? I don't have anybody for this week, no. My Ooh Child Award winner, woefully, sadly, is Grayson Allen. One for seven shooting in 40 minutes of play. Mm. Two assists, three turnovers, seven points in 40 minutes. In the loss to St. John's. Uh, so Duke has lost four games this year. Okay? And in those four games, uh, Grayson Allen has, has been seated on the bench for three total minutes of those games. Right? So he's basically played four full games. Okay? So take that, take that how you will as, as I give you the following stat. In those four losses, he is 11 for 44 shooting. 11 for 44. And also think about the fact that I'm really surprised that if he's playing 40 minutes every game, he's only shooting the ball in those losses an average of 11 times. You would think Grayson Allen, like the fact that Grayson Allen took seven shots, his only basket came with like 30 seconds left in the game, that to me is beyond unacceptable. Now, uh, our buddy... Bassa from the Five Starter Podcast. He's been blaming Grayson Allen for since the Boston College game, right? That's mm-hmm. that's been his the focus of his uh, chagrin. But uh, yeah, we need more from him. Duke needs more from Grayson Allen because Gary Trent is a very good shooter, but Trayvon Duvall is not. Uh, when Bagley and Carter, even though Carter is a very good three point shooter. If they're settling for threes, that's just making the runouts really easy, and Duke just doesn't have the transition defense for that. They're far too dominant inside to be taking more than like one or two three-pointers a game. So Grayson Allen has to be making threes in order to give the outside offensive game any sort of consistency. And the other problem, obviously, is uh, Grayson Allen's defense has never been very good. Um, you know, I think at best you could say that maybe he's as good as Gary Trent or maybe a little better. Um, but, again, that's that's nothing to call home about. So if he's not shooting the ball and he's not playing good defense and he's not creating assists, why is Grayson Allen on the floor? That's my question. He's the supposed leader of the team? I don't know. Yeah. and he's, I mean, he's the, he's the seasoned vet, supposed to be leading by example. Setting the, the tone defensively on the floor. Well, Duke has never been <laughs> Duke has never been one to set the tone defensively ever. Sure, uh, well, not not in the it. last several it. years. Yeah, it, he should at least. There have been games earlier in the year, even even in losses, where he got like six, seven assists. If he is doing that, then I get it. You know what I mean? Sometimes du, uh, Duval, Duval, whatever the announcer wants to say now. Uh, sometimes he's struggling. So. 
in those scenarios, to have Grayson be able to come in and play point guard, great. Right? That works. And I've seen a lot of people suggesting that the problem is Trayvon, that his point guard skills have not been up to snuff and that the team is better when Grayson Allen is running the point. I, I would love to see some analytics that back that up because my eyeballs tell me differently. Like, Duvall has, has definitely had games where he's been bad, stretches where he's been bad. He was the only player that showed any heart down the end of that St. John's game. He's the only reason Duke had a chance to win that game. He's got a, a real shot at a top three freshman assist record for Duke history. So it's not like he's not creating. He is. He's just not He's not Tyus Jones for Duke fans, and that's why Duke fans are struggling to embrace him, which I think is absolute bullshit. I think he's been inconsistent, but he's a freshman point guard. They all, outside of Trey Young, are. All of them. Matt Coleman has been inconsistent. These Kentucky guys, inconsistent. Uh, even Colin Sexton, inconsistent. You take the good with the bad when you're putting the hands in the ball of a uh, the putting the ball in the hands of the freshman point guard, and and I just I really hope they don't go that route. That that to me sounds like an absolute nightmare scenario. If anything, I might sit Grayson. Maybe you can hmm. let him start. He's the captain. Fine. Let him start, but but if he doesn't shoot the ball in the first four minutes of the game or do something positive in the first four minutes of the game, you sit his ass for the next six and make him watch and make him think. Because I'm not convinced Alex O'Connell in that St. John's game would have been worse than Grayson Allen played. Mm. Something to think about. Mm. And I'm a, he's from my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a Grayson Allen fan. He's talked a lot about how he wants to be the Quinn, how Quinn Cook was for 2015. He wants to be that for this. I'm wondering if he's thinking too much about that. He needs to just do what, what he wants to do, which is shoot the ball, create, be aggressive. I think he's trying too hard to like worry about the freshmen. I, I, I don't know what it is, right? But but he's got to he's got to figure it out. Uh, Marshall Henderson, Gunner of the Week award this week. KB, uh, do you have anybody? No, sir. I've got Trey Young, Oklahoma. Two for 14 from three in the loss to Texas. Uh, You can attribute at least half of this to the fact that uh, Matt Coleman in particular, but also Kerwin Roach, both of them played very good defense against Trey Young. Uh, Anytime he got the ball within 30 feet of the basket – they would throw up uh, Ozatkowski or Bamba to double-team right away. Uh, and a lot of his shots were just really bad. I don't yeah, think he, he, I don't think he broke were. 20 points in the game. He had a lot of assists. You know, he's still real. I, I like his passing even more than his shot selection. His offensive game, as you pointed out, is great. His little floater uh, is, is really, really great. Um, you know, the quickness with which – I don't even know if it's as much separation as much as it is how quick he gets the ball out of his hands. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even convinced he's getting, like, normal amounts of separation. I think he's just shooting the ball so quickly that even if he has less separation than other people, the defender still can't recover. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not, he's, he's not tossing too many dudes back on their asses. It's just if, if he has literally enough room to raise his arms, he can get the ball out of it. But he can do that, though. That's the thing. He can do it. 
Because, like, I, I've seen guys, like, try to get up on him and try to, you know, kind of be physical with him. He's like, okay, he'll take one step back and he'll boop, boop, boop. And next thing you know, the guy is four feet away from him and the jumper is up. Sure. Well, he had trouble with that in the Texas game for sure. Um, and the double teams definitely worked. I, I, I can't believe more teams aren't just doubling him all the time regardless. You know, make the uh, make everybody else beat you. Like, unless you've got yeah. Javon Carter to defend, throw two guys at him. Make make him try to split that double team. Make him find other guys. Make Brady Manick beat you. Make Richard yeah. Odoms beat you. But Texas did a real good job of, uh, of throwing Trey's offense off tremendously. Uh, and again, as you pointed out earlier, uh, he made mistakes down the stretch. He took very ill-advised shots. I mean, took a good... 35 footer there's no point like i know he can make that on occasion but i don't even if it goes in that's a bad shot i know i know like most people's bad shot is still a good shot for him like a 26 footer is still a good shot for trey young these like 30 plus footer shots these are not good shots i don't care whether he makes them it's a bad shot and he took he took a number of those in this game and it was it was rough Yep. But great win for Texas and Matt Coleman, who I had my eye on because Duke was looking at him. Matt Coleman. I thought he was going to Duke at one point. I thought that's where yeah. he was going. Yeah. Uh, when when the Duval recruitment was up in the air, when it was unclear right, right. whether he was going to pick Kansas or not. Um. Yeah, I th- I think we we had him on the phone, but then I think it became clear that we were going to get Duval, and then that was that. But but Coleman. He had a better – he outplayed Trey Young. Not many point guards in the country are going to be able to say that this year. Uh, Ali Farouk Manesh Award this week. Uh, you got anybody, KB? No, sir. Uh, I've got Shiz Alston from Temple. First of all, one of the best names in college basketball. Let's start mm-hmm. there. Shiz mm-hmm. Alston. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Shiz. Uh, he – did not shoot the ball well. He shot 5 for 22 in this game, but he scored 12 points against Wichita State, including the four points that sent the Wichita State game to overtime, and they eventually won. Uh, Temple defended the perimeter well. Again, credit to Alston, at least partially for that. Uh, They forced Wichita State into making some uncharacteristic turnovers. And, uh, yeah, I, I toyed with the idea that this could be an Onions game. But uh, ultimately, I just thought Wichita State was better. Uh, yeah, we talked about this last week. Road life, even when you're a very good team like Wichita State, is uh, is tough in a better conference. Yeah, pretty much. That's what happens. Not much to add to that. Yeah. No. Um, and then Brian Zubek Award winner. Uh, I've got Freddie McSwain of Indiana. What's up, KB? No, go ahead. I didn't see yeah. anything. Uh, I've got Freddie McSwain of Indiana. Eight points, 16 rebounds, including nine offensive rebounds, with a steal and a block in their near upset over Michigan State. Um, yeah, they had Michigan State right on the ropes and then just really let them slip away. Um, KB, here's a question. Has anyone hurt his draft stock more than Miles Bridges? No, it's not even close. 
I mean, I, you could you could entertain the idea that maybe Robert Williams. Um, I mean, if you're somebody who thought Grayson Allen might have gone late first, end of second last year, he might be undraftable <laughs> this year. Right. So, but Miles Bridges last year would have been what a top six pick, top seven, top seven, eight. I was gonna say top seven, something top like eight. that. Yeah. Yep. Middle middle of the lottery, sure. Yeah, and now I mean, he's probably at the back end of the lottery at 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 best. And, um, and dropping, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he he just can't create for himself. Like he, he, don't get me wrong. I still think he can be a good pro because he's kind of bouncy. Obviously, he's very bouncy, and then he's a good like spot up shooter. Like if you just sh- pass him the ball, then he'll make shots. But like I. I feel like wings in the NBA, especially if you're drafting one in the lottery, they they got to be able to drive and create for themselves better. Um, and, and he just gets real passive. And he was very passive in this Indiana game. I think he had like six points, seven points. And again, he played a bunch of the game. So I, I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's one of the few players who's like a lottery guy who when you're watching a game, you forget he's in the game. Like that that shouldn't happen. So, that's my Zubek Award winner. Did, did you have anybody or? I'm sorry, say that again. KB. Say it one more time, I'm sorry. Yo, 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 yo. Sorry, yeah, I was saying, uh, did you have anybody for Zubek or no? No, I didn't, nah. Cool. Uh, picks for this week. Great Slate of games this week, KB. Terrific yep. slate. Uh, let's start with Virginia at FSU. I'm going Virginia. Onions pick. Onions, KB. I'm going Florida State. Wow. Wow. Okay. I think the Florida State, uh, they're a good three-point shooting team. It's been proven over the years if you're going to beat Virginia, you got to shoot over the pack line. But they've also got some guys that can drive a little bit. They've got good talent. They've got some pretty good length that I think could maybe, uh, in terms of one-on-one defense, they can try and contain Guy, Jerome, a little bit. Um, and I just don't think Virginia is going to win out. <laughs> so somebody is going to beat them, and, and I think – that FSU is a really good candidate for that. I think this is sort of a tricky, a sneakily tricky game for them. Um, you know, again, they've got Virginia Tech a couple of days after, uh, probably a little more heated for them. Uh, they, they might get caught sleeping a little bit. That's what I'm going for. I'm going big onions this week, KB. I got a lot of onions picks That's this week. Okay. Uh, Ohio State at Purdue. Maybe the maybe the best game of the uh of the week potentially. Uh, I'm going Purdue. Who do you have here? Purdue. I have got Purdue as well. Just just the better team. Duke at UNC KB. I am going to uh, let you go first. <laughs> I got Duke. I you know I you know I don't like jinxing it KB. You know I don't like the jinx, but I feel pretty good about Duke in this game. 
And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of UNC fans that were pretty mad that Duke lost to St. John's because you know these few days of practice, it's going to be pretty rough on them. So, yeah, I, I, I like the chances. Whatever the spread is, I like Duke to, to cover. Uh, USC at Arizona State. I think both teams are still ranked. Not 100% sure. Uh, Pac-12 battle, KB. Who do you have? Arizona State. Yeah, I'll take Arizona State at home. Purdue at Michigan State. I'm going to go with Michigan State. I'm going to go with Purdue. I, I just think Purdue is the better team. Uh, I think Purdue knows what's at stake here. If Purdue can beat Ohio State and Michigan State, they get a one seed. They win the Big Ten. Um, I don't know what they do about Isaac Haas. And I think that Carson Edwards is much, much better than uh, Cassius Winston. And I think that Vincent Edwards is having a better season than Miles Bridges. So just from a talent perspective, a personnel perspective, even though it's at Michigan State, i got to go Purdue here. Gonzaga at St. Mary's, the battle for the West Coast Conference. I'm going to uh, St. Mary's. I'm going to go St. Mary's as well. Uh, if the last game showed us anything, it's that uh, I don't know that they have an answer for Jock Landale. Xavier at Creighton. Uh, I'm going Creighton. I'm also going to go Creighton. Uh, that, that, that qualifies as like a small onions. That's a, yeah. That actually was my onions pick, so. Yeah. That's some pearls. Some pearl onions. Yeah. Um, Kansas at Baylor, KB. I'm going Baylor. I'm also going Baylor. I think that's also a Pearl Onions bit there, KB. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, again, especially considering Kansas has been struggling on the inside, Baylor's Baylor's got some some dogs down there, so they can win that battle for the boards, and then it's just up to Manu LeCompte to not shoot their chances out of the game. Texas Tech at Kansas State. I'm going uh, Red Raiders. Yeah, I'll go there, too. I like Kansas State generally, but, uh, yeah, you got to be able to shoot over the pack line. Kansas State, not really a good shooting team. Tennessee at Alabama. Uh, I'm going Alabama. Yeah, give me Alabama. Um, you know, Tennessee, uh, this is if, – if any team can sort of match the style that Tennessee plays, I think it's Alabama. Uh, Kentucky at Texas A&M, KB. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, we're going to get some tweets about it, but I'm going to go Texas A&M as well. Yeah. I got I got, I got, got no reason with the way that Texas A&M's big men play and the way that Kentucky's failed to defend the interior. I have no reason to pick Kentucky in this game unless it was blind faith. Yep, that's about it. Uh, Cincinnati at Southern Methodist. Uh, I'm going Bearcats. I'm going to go SMU. Give me another uh, Onions pick here. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, again, SMU I think is like a top five three-point shooting team in the country. Um, at home, uh, even in a low-scoring game, low-possession game, um, if one team can shoot the ball that well at home, the other team not as strong in terms of shooting. And, uh, yeah, I like SMU here. I like the chances. TCU at West Virginia, KB. West Virginia. Yeah, it's an easy pick. Baylor at Texas. Going Texas. I'm going to go with the home team as well. Virginia at Miami. I'm going to go Virginia. 
Yeah, if Miami had Bruce Brown, I'd feel a little better about Miami at home. But since they don't, uh, that's a really hard game for me to take Miami. I got to go Virginia there. Especially if, if FSU gets Virginia three days, uh, a few days before, uh, then, then yeah, I like I like uh, Virginia's chances there. Do you have any other onion picks to uh, to sprinkle into the uh, to the pan here, KB? Nah, that was just great, Noah Xavier. That was it. All right, I got I got two more uh, I got two more big ones here, KB. I've got Boston College over Miami. Yeah, well, we, Boston we, College we. at home again. Miami down Bruce Brown. Haven't loved what I've seen from them. Uh, Pitt sort of gave Miami a game the other week, which. If that doesn't make you fade Miami for every game for the foreseeable future, then I don't know what will. And then here's a big one. Iowa State over Oklahoma. Mm. I'm going with, uh, you know, Linda Wigginton, Donovan Jackson uh, over Trey Young here. I, I, I especially – I was really heartened by uh, the last game that I saw uh, Iowa State play. I really liked the play of their freshman big man Cameron Lard. Uh, he was really spectacular in the last game I saw him in. We're in the West Virginia game. Yeah, and I mean, playing well against Kanate uh, is no easy feat. Um, and, you know, I think that Kanate is certainly better than Kadeem Latin. Uh, so I think Lard ought to be able to do work, and Wigginton and Jackson are talented enough, and Nick Weiler-Babb, if he comes back, I think they're talented enough to, to keep – Keep pace with Trey Young. I mean, this is a an Iowa State team that did beat Texas Tech at home and did beat West Virginia at home. So if they can beat those two teams at home, I like their chances of beating Oklahoma at home as well. And then I hate to say this one, KB. If you're a gambler, if you're a gambler out there listening to this, I would take the points against the spread for Georgia Tech against Duke. At uh, on what Sunday? Hmm. Uh, because I think the spread is going to be I'm going to guess 11 or 12 in favor of Duke, and I think Georgia Tech uh, is just the annoying, guard-driven, drive the ball at the basket kind of team that Duke tends to struggle with. That Duke should zone, <laughs> but probably right. won't. Right. And, uh, you know, they've got Ben Lammers down low, and, and Ben Lammers can probably give guys uh, like Bagley and Carter maybe a, a little bit more uh, – make them work a little harder than other teams might. Uh, yeah, Georgia Tech shoots 32% from three. Why in the world would Duke not zone in this game is beyond me, but I guarantee Duke plays at least 25 minutes of man-to-man in that Georgia Tech game. And that's enough, especially on the road, to make it interesting. So, uh, again, I'm not saying Georgia Tech's going to win, but if you're a gambler, hammer those points, my friend, because I, I think that game is going to be like a two-possession game. So take that for what you will. And, again, if you, if you like betting on big underdogs, put down, you know, 25 30 bucks on Georgia Tech to win that game outright. Could be looking at a sweet, you know, 150 something like this. That's what happened to me. I bet on St. John's to win against Duke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I spent it all on alcohol that afternoon. Blood money. Whatever. Um, KB, that's going to do it for us this episode, unless you have anything else to add. Was there anything else uh, uh, worth talking about? That's pretty much it. 
Those where, are, can the good, where can the good people find you, KB? They can find me on Thursday mornings, uh, High Five Starter Podcast. Um, our motto is we talk about it, it being pretty much everything, um, sports, entertainment, you name it. And um, they want to follow me, they can follow me on Twitter at KBADS, that's K-B-A-D-D-S, and I'll see you good people next week. And if y'all aren't listening now, there's a new Star Wars movie in like a month or so. Yeah. You got to make sure you're listening for yeah. Star Wars Wars. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Man. That's a, that's that's must listen uh, entertainment. And I totally forgot to shout out my aunt who referred to you as K bomb. Yeah, K bomb. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot to bring my sound machine. Next next <laughs> next episode we uh we do. I'll, I'll I'll have some bomb sound effects in the background for uh for when you, for when you drop a hot take. I'll I'll drop a K bomb on them. I appreciate that one. Yeah, man. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to my Aunt Jen. Um, yeah, I am Russell H. Film everywhere. Uh, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, Russell H. Beer on Instagram if you like beer, uh, which I do. Uh, I've had one tonight. It's probably why I've said KB more often than not. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm peppering it in like Shannon Sharp says skip at this point. You know, just using it as punctuation <laughs> for my sentences. Um, and then uh, the Long and Late Movie Show, a, a movie podcast that I do with a couple of friends. Uh, we should be recording our best of 2017 episode, I believe, tomorrow. So if you want to know what the best performances of the year were, the best movies of the year, well, that's a good one to check for. So iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Twitter.com slash L&L Movie Show. Uh, this podcast is iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Twitter.com slash seconds, the number two madness. Thank you again to everybody who listens, everybody who tweets, everybody who recommends us on Reddit. We very much appreciate it. Uh, K-Bad, I, f- I found an agenda today on Reddit that I think you'll enjoy. Uh, NC State fans seem very committed to the idea that Duke-Maryland was a rivalry, and I was wondering why. And then I realized that if if teams aren't allowed to have second rivals, then their claim that they are UNC's rival goes out the door. So they insist that Maryland is a Duke rival so that NC State can say secondary rivals are a thing. You've got Maryland. It counts. Hmm. And so uh, I've been having some fun with them on Reddit today just saying, no, you know. At Not one point, works. I would but say, like, in 2001, 2002. Yeah. I will say, Joel Joel Berry uh, saying in a press conference today that NC State is not a rival right before yeah. a game at NC State. Yeah. That's going to put some spicy meatballs on that pasta sure. bowl right there. Sure, sure. And it should, man. Yeah. Got to be... Yeah, got to be excited for that. So, uh, that should do it for us. So, once again, thank you, KB, for joining. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. So, for KBAD, for myself, Russell Hainline. This has been 2.1 Seconds to Magic. You know my stage, Let them know, do your thing.